0: Hello and welcome everybody to this episode. Studies are showing that remote workers are an average of 40% more productive than their office counterparts, and they have measured an output increase of at least 4.4%. Though organizations still struggle to introduce flexible working policies, and I am excited to discuss in this episode with Malud Sekorelli how to bring remote work to the agile world. Molud is the founder of the Remote Forever Summit, organized for the past years and bringing together thousands of remote workers and remote enthusiasts from across the globe. Welcome to the virtual space here podcast. My name is Barbara, and I have the big pleasure to talk on a regular basis to colleagues from across the globe about how they successfully lead and collaborate in virtual teams, how they design and facilitate virtual learning journeys, and how they organize and produce extraordinary and memorable virtual events. I'm tremendously excited because today I have a guest on my show who is really producing large-scale virtual events. We just had a fun conversation backstage because my large scale is 600 and her large scale is 6,000. And with this, I'm really happy to open the virtual doors to my today's guest connecting, Maloud Rally. Hi there, Maloud,
1: hi hi everybody
0: thank you so much for connecting with us Maloud here today and it's really great because we have um, a topic that is your core competence your core skill it is about remote work and remote forever I'm a tremendous fan of remote forever also because last week I was streaming from Vienna this week I'm streaming from the south of Austria and the next week I'm going to stream from Spain so I'm really happy about all the remote work possibilities that we have with all background information, Malud. you are the name in the remote forever, remote work world. How did you step into the area, into the topic remote work? What is your background?
1: That's a very good question. Okay, let's dive in. I am Malud Sikarelli I'm the founder of remote forever. And the question of where did you end up in this field or how did remote forever come to be is actually quite an interesting one. It's from a realization that I had back in 2015 when I was sitting in a cafe, doing a retrospective about my career, my life, and all of that over a nice cup of coffee. And I realized I have never been part of a fully co-located team. And I wondered if that was a possibility. Because at that time, I was working as an agile coach in an IT organization and everyone around me who was a thought leader in agile said you need to be co-located if you want your business to be agile and that that challenge that dilemma got me thinking and long story short it resulted in creating remote forever summit and after that remote forever which is now my business consulting and helping organizations that are distributed to adopt agile ways of working as well as helping uh, organizations that are transforming to agile ways of working to learn how to work effectively remotely.
0: Fantastic. That's a really interesting story because I think a lot of like paradigms are changing. So also we don't need to be co-located. We don't need to be in the same place because we have so many apps, technology, softwares that help us connect and also meaningfully fully connect with other remote coworkers, right? That's correct. Look at us. We are not. We we are connected here in different countries, and uh, and still it is a great way on how we can share our expertise or work even together. Malud, it was really fun when we were talking about our virtual events because both of us we are in the virtual events production company. We work with virtual teams, but at a different scale, I would say, right? Because when I mentioned, you know, I'm doing my uh, large scale events with up to six hundred students now. Malud was like. 600 is that large scale i was like yeah that's totally large scale for me and she was like for me now because i organize events from seven to ten thousand people so imagine would you like to to let us know a little bit what the remote forever summit is about and how do you manage such a large scale event
1: absolutely so i start with answering the second question first Remote Forever Summit, the way that it came to be was actually like the follow up of the story that I shared with you, how the ideas parked in my head and where it all started. I thought there is some truth to this whole remote working thing. I work in IT, I'm an agile coach, and everyone around me seems to be resisting this whole idea of remote working. And at the same time, I'm working with so many different teams and I managed to get them successful. I managed to bring happiness and motivation back to the teams and teams eventually become high performing and what we actually call get an agile mindset so remote forever summit was started from a very simple idea of testing whether or not there are other people like me who don't see remote working as a challenge to resist or as a problem to remove but rather as a reality that needs to be understood and an opportunity that needs to be embraced and it turns out There are thousands of people out there who believe in the idea. And that's how Remote Forever Summit came to be. So I brought experts in agile and experts in remote working together. And I literally call it the wedding party of remote work and agile because the two need to work together. (laughs) And over time, I've come to understand that for a lot of people in HR, the term uh, agile already has remote working embedded in it. Whereas Mm -hmm. when you come from IT, there was a huge resistance to the idea of remote working. So agile meant software development practices that are agile and not necessarily flexibility in work, not necessarily having the freedom to work from anywhere. So there is this huge miss, uh, maybe not misconception, but difference in how we perceive agile in our different worlds.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, maybe we have been talking for for quite some some minutes now about agile what is agile for you now where you combine probably your it point of view with all the agile manifesto in the background and your business or the other point of view that you are now sort of merging
1: i think it's actually a lot closer to you people who are watching this and the way you think about Agile. And the reason I say that with such confidence is because Barbara has told me that you guys are mostly from the world of HR. And I think that in the world of HR, Agile has been understood in its essence. It's about mindset. It's about culture. It's about how we come together to empower every single individual who is in the organization and give them the power to collaborate, regardless of where they are, regardless of what time zone they are in, and making the whole experience of working together as inclusive as possible. Where I came from, however, Agile was a different thing. Agile was a software development paradigm that was changing the way people planned and developed and delivered software. This is actually my cute way of explaining what Agile software development is to people who are not necessarily in software. I'd ask this question, do you guys remember Microsoft Office when we had to wait for several years to get the newest CD and then insert it into our CD-ROM and install the software. And we were anticipating and waiting to see what new features Microsoft Office would bring to us. And then we had to wait for a few more years. And sometimes, do you guys remember this paradigm, by the way? Just type yes in the chat if you do. A while later, what happened was, so, uh, actually one of, the, one of the releases of Microsoft Office, I remember there was this like, a feature that was a paper clip that would jump next to you while you were typing in Microsoft Word and it would try to help you and you'd feel like, go away, go away, I don't want to see you. And it would just keep coming back and everybody hated this feature. It was cute, but it was interrupting our flow of productivity and you couldn't remove it as easily because you had to wait for Microsoft software developers to plan, develop and release maybe in the next two years. So we were stuck with something we didn't want That mm. So what agile software development did as a paradigm in this industry is it brought this iterative and incremental way of planning, developing and delivering. So nowadays you get push notifications on your applications in your phone every couple of weeks. You also get these on your software that you're using on your computer pretty frequently. That's because the whole process of doing that in the organization, for example, Microsoft is agile now. And it allows for flexibility. It allows for the culture that creates better software and more valuable uh, services and products for the users. So I mm-hmm. hope that clarifies the differences between agile software and agile HR, and also like how I see them coming together.
0: That's fantastic. And you know, Malud. if you if we look at the comments, we see already a lot of people saying, yes, Sam remembers, Thomas remembers, we see Eric remembering, Christina is remembering, and Anna as well. So tremendous <laughs> what you're getting through the responses. It's
1: hard to forget.
0: <laughs> it's hard to forget. So what what is the reason what do you think why agile software development was that differently interpreted or picked up in HR because I know there are a lot of HR people there OD people so what happened
1: Well agile started with software right there is a co- there is a concept called agile software development or sorry the manifesto for agile software development so it all started in 2001 for software What I think happened is that a lot of companies thought the idea was excellent. It was focused on humans. It was valuing people and interactions over processes and tools. It was helping us create processes that would respond to change instead of following a plan. So what I think happened is that companies and leaders in those companies started liking the idea and adopting agile ways of working in their IT organization. Mm -hmm. And then they realized that they were hindered by other parts of the organization namely marketing hr operations and there is this whole other concept created called business agility which tries to bring this entire mindset and culture into every operation every function of the company because the truth is, the bottom line is that we all want our business to be agile. We want all the employees, all the people in whatever size of the company you have to actually feel good when they go to work. right? We want to keep people motivated. We want to have them collaborate effectively and efficiently. And that's why it has brought its own different variations and uh, definitions into different Functions like agile marketing is different than agile HR and it's different from agile software. But if you really look at patterns, you can see that the bottom line is still the manifesto. It is Mm -hmm. still valuing people over processes
0: let me pick up on that because we were already talking about agile organizations as well so one of the questions that i also put up beforehand uh, we were meeting already is how do we create an effective distributed organization let's start maybe with that let's go one step back and then we add the agile component here too
1: that makes a lot of sense So how do we create an effective distributed organization? Now we're going into the remote work era, which is my favorite topic to talk about. So effective organization has a lot of different meanings for people. If you're thinking about efficient as opposed to effective, please stop. Because efficient means potentially that you're using all the resources available to you, and making sure that you're producing enough output now when i say resources i'm not talking about people necessarily i'm talking about computer systems servers locations whatever you call a resource in your organization so when you're going for efficiency you try to optimize for that for resource efficiency while we're talking about effectiveness we're actually not interested in how much output we're creating we're thinking about what is the impact of the output that we're creating. So we're shifting our mindset from output to outcome. So we're asking ourselves, what is the outcome of this organization? So how can we create effective organizations that are distributed. There are several different rules for it. There's no recipe for it. You need to discover it with your own, you know, trial and error, or maybe even get a little bit of coaching to do that. But some of the key points of that are this transparency of information, simplicity of processes and freedom for the people. So those three are my top ones for creating or starting to create an effective organization. Do you want me mm-hmm. to expand on that, Barbara?
0: I loved it. And you know why? Because, for example, transparency, freedom, and trust. I rather talk about trust and uh, not so much freedom, but uh, I, I emphasize trust. Is such a, uh, those are the pillars of virtual teams for me and global virtual teams as well. So fantastic. Mm-hmm. Malud. please go ahead. Love to hear that.
1: So transparency of information is a key point in creating a well-functioning remote team or a remote organization. So let's start here. Communication is an essential part of our collaboration. right? Communication can be divided in two different types when we're working remotely. Number one is synchronous communication. Synchronous communication is when Information is exchanged at the same time or in real time. That is, I say something, you say something. Like me and Barbara are talking right now together or mm-hmm. I am talking to you and you're seeing this live. Though if you're watching the recorded video afterwards, sorry, that's not synchronous anymore. But right now, as we're recording this, it is synchronous. And it can also happen in chat. You can chat with someone in writing and that would still be synchronous. The mm-hmm. second group is asynchronous. That is when, com- when information is exchanged, uh, not necessarily at the same time, and it's consumed at the comfort of the receivers. That means in synchronous, you say something when you are ready to say it, regardless of whether the recipient is ready to receive it. Whereas when you're talking, when we're talking about asynchronous conversation, you say it when you're ready but you give the freedom to the recipient to receive it when he or she is ready. And there is a fundamental difference between these two different types of communication. And I think for creating effective organizations remotely, we need to really understand where each of these types need to be used and try to default or resort back to asynchronous conversations as much as possible, which is the opposite of most people have been doing in 2020 when they were forced to work remotely. So instead of figuring out how to create transparency and putting information in writing and maybe in videos or in other forms that could be consumed at other people's time, we've been booking our calendars with meeting (laughs) after meeting after meeting after meeting and what happens as a result we are less productive we are frustrated and a lot of people end up working extra hours because they didn't mm-hmm. have this big chunk of time during their day to sit down and create and mm-hmm. most of us are creative people right yeah.
0: so that's the key
1: part that i would really like to communicate about how how important it is to create transparency of information. So Mm -hmm. that you can have asynchronous conversations Mm -hmm. as much as possible Mm -hmm. and give people the freedom to consume the information when they're ready.
0: Yeah, and you know what was so interesting? Um, I'm totally aware of the meeting marathon that many managers have to go through and have to go through, particularly during the pandemic. And still, I was also dragged into that because it was so difficult to sort of resist it because all the clients were, many more clients, new clients were coming and it was a marathon of uh, meetings that I was going through unless I said like, no, 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 now I need to step back again because it was like a like like a wave coming
1: up yeah absolutely absolutely Mm. and it's been similar experience for me even i mean i work as a remote work expert i go into organizations with my team we consult we train we have workshops and courses to help people Mm. to learn how to do this and still because of the pandemic people were panicking and they were filling their calendars with meetings So luckily in my little company, this was not the case. We actually do have systems in place and we even created better systems and simplified what we had to make it possible. But obviously for our clients, I was exactly like you. I was also Mm -hmm. dragged into meeting after meeting after meeting. I have a trick though. I have blocked my calendar for productive time so that i can actually protect that creativity that i need to have so that i can create boundaries between when other people can take up my work or my time and when i need to actually focus on being productive there are so many personal tips and tricks that we could talk about forever but i think that you have some more questions prepared
0: yeah yeah well I have one question relation to this so asynchronous and synchronous what are the communication channels or the tools that you're using for synchronous and asynchronous communication and maybe also like a guideline because what I felt is like many teams started using 20 channels at the same time because you yeah. felt the need to over-communicate and of course we know that this is not going to be effective at the end and no. three or four channels that is usually my number uh like, like my rule of thumb but also what is your experience with that
1: it's a funny one so while i'm going to answer i want all of you who are watching this to please drop the name of your favorite tools that you use for communication in the chat so now to answer your question barbara this is the most common question that I get. What tools should we use? What technologies should we use in order to, whatever it is that people used to do before they worked remotely? So some people say, what tools should I use to Meet? You know, Should I use Microsoft Teams? Should I use Zoom? Should I use Google Meets? Should I use some other tool that I don't know about? And then what tool should I use to do, I don't know, like the quarterly planning? setting OKRs or whatever it was that they used to do, whatever process that they was. They come to me and they say, what is the best tool for it? So I'm gonna answer the same way I answer my clients. Take a step back. You already have a lot of tools at your disposal. Let's see what tools are being used here
0: we have them already the people people are writing google meet we have zoom well uh, very expectedly we have whatsapp as a communication channel and again mike is also mentioning whatsapp and What's rigoberto is mentioning teams
1: i see that yeah i see your answers now and this is excellent stick to what you have if it's working for you and learn how to simplify and adapt your processes to the tools that you already have. Only, and I emphasize, only add a new tool to your tool stack if you absolutely need that, if there is no other way for you to do what you need to do. So instead of asking what tool should I use in order to do X, take a step back and ask yourself, what is that X trying to achieve? It's not a meeting there is a purpose behind that meeting. It's not the communication that's the core of the need. The goal is not to communicate. The goal is to collaborate, right? So we need to ask ourselves, what is the purpose that I'm trying to achieve? And then ask yourself, how can I do that asynchronously? And then if you still cannot solve the problem, then say, all right, so what is another tool that I can use for in-person or Mm real-time communication? interestingly none of the tools that you guys have mentioned for communication has the advanced possibility of asynchronous communication
0: i think if we mean the same so there is one coming up that for communication and uh, we also use in many teams it's slack but uh, happy to have more from you of course
1: slack is great for overload of information and for chatting in real time It is true that it is it is enabling. I love Slack, by the way. I use it every day. I would probably not be able to do my work without it. But what I'm trying to emphasize here is a place where information can be organized, structured, and kept for a longer time, like a task management system, like Asana, Trello, Basecamp, maybe Microsoft Jira that some of you use. And we don't think of those tools naturally when we're thinking about communication, but really those are the most powerful tools that we have at our disposal. And here's why. They already have a system for managing your work. What you really need to do is to spend the time to simplify the processes that you have and to create the culture in the team in the company so that they keep information together with the task Mm -hmm. right a lot of people see the task in the task management and then they go to slack or they go to whatsapp or they go to uh, google meets and just talk about it and then the information does not get written down and documented. Whereas if you keep all the information together with the task, it's so much easier for anyone to find everything related to a certain piece of work and just get done with that, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to emphasize that these tools are communication tools. Use them, create ways to use them effectively, and then you'll see that your need for real time or synchronous becomes minimized. You're gonna have Mm. less meetings when things become clear and when people know where to find stuff. So there is like these two layers to transparency. There is information exists somewhere. The second is everybody knows where that is and how to find it. So I say there is transparency of information and there is transparency of information flow. So both of them need to be simple and understood by everybody. And you can probably realize that it's not an easy work to do, especially if your company is large. And that's why my company exists because we do consulting to help organizations to make iterative changes slowly to get there, get there where everyone can work remotely and feel engaged, connected, and effective.
0: That's super. And when we talk about everybody um, can be engaged also, I assume that the second principle that you mentioned beforehand, freedom, is very much connected and linked to that. Would you like to elaborate a little bit on what you understand by freedom?
1: I love that. Yeah. Freedom is my top value, personal value, as well as reflected in the company that I've built. So some people have mistakenly thought that working from home that we were all forced to do because of a global health crisis is remote work. Spoiler alert, it's not. It's dealing with a crisis while trying to get work done from where we live. So before I answer you, I'll share something quite personal and vulnerable with you. I am a remote worker. I have been for years and I consult on remote working and I develop courses in remote working. And when the pandemic hit and we had to work from home, it was the first time I realized I did not have a desk at my home because (laughs) I never worked from home. (laughs) It is funny, I know. But here is the truth to to why freedom matters so much. I have the freedom to work from wherever I want on a certain day. If you love working from an office, you should have that freedom. If you love working from your home, you should have that freedom. And to me, that freedom is the essence of remote working, the freedom to work from wherever we feel most productive. But when you look at what goes in the back end of that is organizational support, culture, processes, everything needs to be in place so that no person feels excluded or less than or not Mm -hmm. engaged enough or uninformed just because they choose a certain location. So I wanna bring the focus back to work is not a location. Work is what we do. And we need like in this day and age with so much technology, with such, ubiquitous internet access that we have in the world we should have the freedom to work from wherever we want and it is on us all of us collectively to support organizations to create those processes that support this that allow Mm -hmm. people to to feel engaged to actually be included and i understand that some people are resisting this entire idea and they don't even equal like see it as freedom because We've been working from home and we've been pretty isolated for the last few months. So Mm -hmm. please separate this global crisis from having the freedom to be with whomever you want, wherever you want, and still be productive.
0: Absolutely. F- very, a great insight and a great way of seeing it, because I think that is being mixed up quite a lot in the past, um, in the past month here. So I'm just yeah. dragging in a comment by Sveta who is saying, what a great insight about different tools for synchronous and asynchronous type of connection. We all need more insight reflections and research about that. Sveta is a researcher in Slovenia. Do you train your people on the communication culture as Absolutely. part of the corporate education goal?
1: That is definitely part of what we train. We start with the leaders and we teach them how to read, how, how to lead remotely. I said read remotely, isn't that funny? How to lead <laughs> remotely. And once leaders have really incorporated the mindset, then we move on to helping every single individual. Education is a big, big, big part of changing anything in the organization and culture is a big part of that without education, there is, it's not possible to impact the culture, right? There's Mm -hmm. another sentence that I, I have with me. I think I should probably write it down and just see it every day, but it's, it's from a book that I once attempted to translate and I stopped halfway through. It was about organizational culture. And there was a sentence in that book that said, culture cannot be created. Culture can only be discovered, nurtured and improved. And I just love that sentence about organizational culture, because I really think it is true. If you're more than one person in a company, if you're two, you already have a culture. So you Mm -hmm. need to discover it, nurture it, understand it and improve it.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, and when we talk about culture and leadership as well, so we're talking about a remote work culture or organizational culture fostering remote um, work, what would you say is, from a leader's point of view, to switch a little bit to the leaders themselves, what is super important?
1: So maybe I can just say like some do and don'ts for leaders. (laughs) If you're a leader in an organization that is distributed. Clearly explain your goals and expectations to the people that work with you. A lot of times when we're working remotely, expectations are not made explicit. They are implicit and they result in misunderstandings, miscommunication, and quite often, as leaders, you might say, I don't see the results that I want to see. So you focus on the results, but what is happening like long before the result was generated was expectations were not made clear. Agreements were not made explicit. Mm -hmm. Focus on that and clearly explain it. Another thing to, to do is stop asking, what tools should I use? Focus on what you have and don't add. In the agile manifesto for software development, there is the term simplicity that is defined really beautifully. It says, simplicity is the art of maximizing the amount of work not done. Maximizing the amount of work not done. Now, when it comes to tools or the tool set that you're acquiring, I would rephrase it this way and say, go for simplicity in your tool set. And that is maximize the number of tools not used. So if you can't keep all mm-hmm. the communication in one tool, go for it and do it. If you need to, that's maybe enough. Try to minimize the number of tools that you use and instead improve your processes and focus on the flow of them. Now, again, as a, as a leader, there is like personal development uh, work that, that needs to be done for great culture to be created. And that is from changing from a transactional leadership to a more influential and inspirational leadership where you empower people. And it is deep work. It really requires a lot of help maybe from a coach to understand how to incorporate that, especially when you have never worked remotely before and you're used to Mm -hmm. seeing people, it's much harder to focus on the final result that people create instead of whether or not they're sitting at their desk and producing results at the time. And empowering people for a leader is not any different in remote than it is in person. I think I could define empowering other people as creating other leaders, trusting that people are smart in individuals that are giving their best at any certain point with the information that they have at hand. And there are some don'ts, like don't micromanage people. Stop looking at every single move that people make. Don't go into like all these tracking systems that you have and time tracking and task tracking and chat tracking and just pinpoint what people have. If somebody is looking for a link to something and information transparency is not there yet, hold off and see if somebody else from the team is going to step up and help. And super important, this is for those of you leaders who are very, very busy, and you have a lot of balls that you're juggling, you have a lot of different projects. Do not expect your employees to be available 24 seven, just because they're remote. You need to create a work-life balance and a boundary between work and life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you also need to respect that for other people. This is coming back to that value of freedom that we talked about. So just because you didn't plan for something until the very last minute does not mean that you have the right to put that stress on your employees. They have the right to not be available 24 seven. Mm-hmm. Do mm-hmm. not ask for overtime. That goes along with that. And one last thing is when you're thinking about work It's very easy when we're remote to forget about building bonding, connection, a camaraderie in the team. Uh, Spend time to figure out how to do that. If you need to celebrate online together, even though it's really not the same as celebrating in person, do that anyway. I I recently uh, ordered cupcakes and soda to be delivered at people's homes as a surprise Mm -hmm. because we had released a fabulous feature. And I thought this client they've been remote and they deserve that celebration. So if they were in the office, they would gather around cake and they would maybe have beer and some some coffee, but they weren't. And I could not spend the, their budget. Like I couldn't go over budget. So cupcake and soda or cupcake and coffee was the easiest thing that I could order. And it was just such a beautiful thing to just gather together online and still realize that we are human. We need to remember that we're human. And I wanna close with always, always assume that people are giving their best and people have good intentions. Nobody's evil, nobody's trying to manipulate or escape work or anything like that. They're really all like you, trying to get work done when they're remote.
0: You know what I'm always thinking? And when I heard you talking now, it's like as a researcher or coming also with a theoretical background, I'm always thinking there are so many things we continue talking about that comes back in from, from literature from the eighties. So when we talk about thinking the good of people, it's theory X and theory Y. Do we trust our people? Do we give them the trust? Do we provide them with the space? And they are going to flourish. So talk, let's think about positive psychology, positive leadership. Even though now it's a different, we are remote working, but it's still the same. And still it's not really like in the blood in our organizations that sometimes for me as a researcher, like, damn it, what are we doing wrong? And I'm such a practitioner-oriented researcher. I'm writing blogs. I'm doing so many keynotes and I'm sort of translating all that sometimes complicatedly written stuff into easygoing articles, but still it's it's difficult um, that we change and that we change yeah. in our organization.
1: Yeah, I think it is still, as a global community, we're still suffering from the residue of industrial style of management. Like when, when it was Industrial Revolution and we needed to form factories and product mm-hmm. lines, and specializations became a thing, and people kind of forgot that they had to learn a bunch of people's skills and they focused on this one thing. And we started having jobs with names. Like before the Industrial Revolution, people didn't really refer to their jobs with a name. You know, you wouldn't say, I'm a farmer, I'm a baker, I- I'm an whatever. We got there because we needed that during the revolution and after that. And there were management uh, paradigms that came to exist because of that. Many of them, like the early ones were authoritarian and later on, they became more democratic and inclusive. However, we're still suffering from the cultural residue of that. So it's still very hard for us to, to remember our humanity and the fact that We don't necessarily need to be super specialized in this one thing and only focus on that one thing and trust that the rest of the product line is gonna take care of that. And the reason is because our world has become so much more complex than it was at the time of the Industrial Revolution. We don't have product lines anymore. We have product portfolios. We have complex problems to solve. We really need to get back to our core and understand that as Mm -hmm. leaders that we are, and even if your title is not leader, you need to develop leadership, leadership skills because you need to lead yourself and you need to understand how to communicate effectively with others, whether it is in English or code.
0: <laughs> absolutely i love that whether it's in english or it is code <laughs> great when we talk about remote work and agile and we connect it to hr so i'm coming from hrod field practices and i know that there are a lot of hrod people out there um um watching so what would you say is one fundamental goal or one fundamental instrument method or one fundamental thing to look at from an hr perspective
1: Mm, that's a very good question let me think about it for a moment i think it would be decentralization of decision making in organizations that's what i see coming right Mm -hmm. now we're still transitioning to remote working we're still transitioning to agile ways of working in 2020, 97% of companies that were surveyed for the Agile, for the state of Agile survey reported that they're using some sort of Agile. And about 74% reported that they are going to remain remote after 2020. So 97, 74%, those are pretty high numbers, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What I think happening is is still a lot of decisions are being made in a top down fashion in 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 an elite group of leaders that make decisions for others. What I think would happen going forward is more inclusiveness, where people who are impacted by a decision also contribute to the making of that decision. It's a long time to come. It's still it's already happening in in small bits and pieces here and there but I think that is the direction that we're taking if humanity is there to survive. <laughs> Otherwise this comment would be taken back in, in, in a moment, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much, really. And I believe also that um, this is kind of a fantastic closing word. And you know what I want to take up as well? I have one of your quotes that I found online when I started promoting today's LinkedIn Life that I really like a lot coming from you, Malud, of course, although I'm a big dreamer, I believe in taking small, steady actions and letting the results guide the way why I really love that is because it reminds us that all of us we can take small steady actions and it doesn't need to be a big bomb falling down on your company start small but be steady in whatever you're doing
1: that's correct
0: Absolutely. And don't forget, um, Malouf's, if you want to really, um, experience a large scale event, remote forever summit. It's a six day online event to celebrate remote remote working in agile. And it's free and it starts on November 11th. So if you go to the webpage, the webpage will be set up this weekend. So on Monday, you'll have all the news there. Don't miss that and uh, stay tuned of what is coming up at remote forever. Malud, from my side as well, thank you so much for being with us. I prepared sort of a virtual cocktail backstage. I love the example we were giving when you were sending out the cupcakes and the tea. We organized last year' conference where we um, tried to stimulate also a sense of belonging through having lunch packages being sent out to all the conference participants. And that's really a nice thing. Another company I worked with, what they were doing is they had a cocktail happy hour and employees were sent cocktails and there are companies doing that. So companies preparing that for you, that your employees are receiving a package. And then there is a cocktail happy hour and everybody is preparing his or her own cocktail. And then you have a chit chat. And to cite a little bit, Cassie Labourie, who was here with me a few weeks ago, she was saying, and as we are also believers, it's not that we cannot connect meaningfully virtually, it is about our um, attitude towards it. So it is possible, but, but we need to allow it as well. And there are many ways, and Malud showed a lot of ways what we as organizations and leaders can do. So Malud. Thank you so much again. I'm happy to be be back with you backstage in like two more minutes. If you wait for me, we're going to cheer um, together with the virtual cocktail. And I thank you very much and all the best for your virtual summit that I definitely am going to attend.
1: Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. And thanks to all the audience who stayed until the very last minute. And of course, those of you who left halfway through and are watching this later on.
0: Thanking you very much for being with me here on the virtual space here at LinkedIn Live. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, we highly appreciate if you share our podcast via social media or with a colleague. If you want to get more tips, tricks, practices, and tools directly to your inbox, please go to our webpage virtualspacehero.com, and sign up for our newsletter. Until next time, become a
1: virtual space hero.